Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics, right here on Blog Talk Radio. I carried a minimum amount of muscle and on top of that was extremely shy. 
I was good in boxing and quarterbacking, which did did gain me some respect, but it was definitely not part of the in crowd. It was during these years that the heroes of Greece and the gladiators of Rome gave me the confidence and meaning in life I could have received nowhere else. At this point, I did make two friends who were both big guys and also had a keen interest in the sword and sandal epics. They toyed with the weights, but not seriously. So my brother and myself, along with these two friends, became close, and we would sit on the stoop at night and talk about our heroes, Steve Reeves, Mark Forrest, Brad Harris, Reg Park, Alan Steele, Dan Vadas, Gordon Scott, and Gordon Mitchell, amongst others. We would compare physiques as well as their films and marvel at their exploits. We also began to take our bodybuilding more seriously. At the same time, Sons of Hercules suddenly appeared on a weekly basis. I believe it was WRTV9 here in New York. My confidence grew, began to soar. The power of heroic myth began to manifest in my physical world. While being small-boned in structure, I began to build hard muscle while remaining thin and wiry. I began to fight back in school and became noticed. Some of the same guys who beat and robbed me of my lunch money were boasting about my performance on the Marine test that they had every year at the school. I felt proud. From then on, through marriage, divorce, joblessness, a rheumatic heart condition which I overcame, the influence of those Greek tales, gods and heroes, never left me. Our parents tried to raise us with good Italian Catholic morals, church every Sunday, but that's not what helped me out during my darkest hours. It was the mythical gods, the stars of these wonderful films, and the influence they had that gave me whatever creative vision I had for the future. Thank you to those heroes, wherever you may be. And that's wow. my statement. That is that's profound. my statement, and every oh, word of it, every word of it is true. And no one can ever explain the value of these films in this genre uh, and what it has meant to me over the decades. You should publish that. That is beautiful, and that is powerful. Well, thank you so much, Hercules. And, uh, of course, I I could never be more appreciative of you to open these channels of expression and this marvelous film genre and this marvelous history in our lives. And, you know, it, there's no way you can ever uh, place a, put a price on this opportunity for us to share with our fellow Olympians. So I thank you for that. Uh, you're very welcome. I, I do it uh, for myself and for others because I have a lot to be grateful for uh, with these uh, films as well. Um, I grew up, I'm, I'm Greek, so as you're Italian and they're part of your heritage, I'm Greek, they're part of my heritage as well. And mm-hmm. uh, in my household, uh, my father uh, used to work out. He had a weight set and he had uh, a chest expander and he had a book on isometrics. And uh, if I remember correctly, the Charles Atlas or a similar type of uh, course uh, as well. Uh, so mm-hmm. I grew up watching him uh, working out and uh, 
um, on TV, uh, I would watch the mythical uh, exploits of Hercules and Jason and Ulysses, uh, you know, that I grew up with, plus others like Ursus, uh, um, who I didn't. <laughs> but uh, they were all wonderful and inspiring. And uh, what I got out of the films uh, growing up was that one person can change the world. Absolutely. It it didn't matter if there were evil tyrants. It didn't matter if there were giant rubber dinosaurs. It didn't matter what the (laughs) peril, whatever it was, uh, a a person who was strong in body and character and sound of mind uh, could change things. And that's the biggest thing I took from the Peplum films. And of course, uh, I started working out as soon as I was able. I remember when my grandparents uh, came here from Greece before we started going to Greece in the summers. And I was Mm -hmm. very disappointed to see them wearing uh, regular uh, clothing, you know, because my idea from watching (laughs) the movies was that everybody in Greece dressed this way, even today. Uh, And uh, I still associate uh, very much with those myths and those uh, um, actors who brought the myths uh, to life. And also the actors uh, showed me that it is possible to have a body like that in the statues, that um, that it is possible to bring that ideal to life. And they lived in our lifetime and they they brought it to life um, and embodied it. So uh, if they could do it, I could do it as well. Well, you made a good point. You know, it's it, it going beyond that physical ideal, which which is has set an image for all of us. And I often I often think of the youth today who are, and you know, our gyms are full today. Our gyms are full of uh, young people who want to work out and build muscle and all. But many of them are yet unaware of that wonderful ideal that was set up for us. And I hope that at some future date. Uh, for those who are too young to remember that they will discover some of the films that inspired us uh, so powerfully and, 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 and the, the morals behind the films. And you, you just brought it up a moment ago. There was a morality also in these films, yeah. a morality that was just as powerful and just as influential as any doctrinal religion <laughs> might or be, be able or have the opportunity to offer us uh, the good against evil and, and conquering enormous odds, if you will. Uh, and this is this what these hero heroes brought to us. So, you know, there was a strong moral message in all of these films and a, a great teaching vehicle, if you will. And for me, for me, it gave me as much strength spiritually as it did yeah. physically down the road, I began to, began to partake in uh, uh, muscle building techniques and what have you. So it was the moral message in each and every one of these films. There was a moral message to conquer the unconquerable, to good against evil. And it, it, it's something that, you know, and it did it in such a wonderful way. They did them in such a wonderful way. And uh, it was a message that remained with you remain with you. You never forgot them. I would walk the streets, and even in my uh, elder years, if you will, those messages still remain strong. And of all, it, it was and in perfect candor, while I respect my religion, and I respect all religions, it wasn't church, and it wasn't temple. It was the image that these heroes portrayed. 
and how to conquer enormous odds. And for those who lack self-esteem and for those who are struggling today with certain issues, and I hope that my life story anyway, where Peplin Phillips are concerned, uh, might inspire them. And that's why I wanted to share that this evening, because uh, I overcame some pretty tough odds. Uh, and uh, it was those films as a vehicle that enhanced my courage and my myself uh, confidence, if you will, to move forward to better things. Yes, indeed. And uh, I remember in those films, too, the hero was often laughed at by his enemies who thought that they um, had him trapped in a particular place. I remember one of the Hercules movies, uh, I believe it was Hercules and the Princess of Troy, uh, where they got mm-hmm. him in a trap and then they poured oil on the side and then laughed, you know, at him, you know, cause uh, they thought they had him uh, stuck. Uh, but <laughs> regardless of what they did, you know, the hero with uh, help sometimes from other heroes would figure out a way out of it and, and triumph in the end. And uh, um, th- that, as you said, that was the moral of them and that was the teaching of them. Uh, and that's very empowering because even though they used to call on Zeus, you know, or some of the other uh, Olympians during the course of their adventures, uh, they applied their own ingenuity to, to the circumstances and used what skills they had to get out of them. And uh, sometimes it was strength uh, alone and sometimes it was their mind and sometimes it was a combination of both. Uh, or some other quality that they might have had. But uh, it showed you that you're enough, that with who you are and what you have, uh, you can solve any problem and uh, conquer in any situation. So, yeah, that that message is powerful, and that's uh, what motivates me to keep all those Facebook groups and uh, these podcasts going, That uh, to keep the message alive, to celebrate uh, something that was so important to us growing up. Well, you know, and you just mentioned and, and the, the relationship between and sometimes the gods had to intervene. And the, the, the quality of that message is that, well, there's that connection. There's that connection between the gods and the humans and the heroes, if you will. And sometimes mm-hmm. they had to relate to each other. Sometimes they even disagreed. Sometimes the gods had to correct our heroes, if you will, and put them right. on the right path. But there was that connection. It wasn't that monotheistic deity so far away and so out of reach, which many of us sometimes, well, quite frankly, we would feel that way. We were raised that way. That's what we were exposed to. But the great, the mythical gods of Greece showed us that we can actually relate, and they can relate to us in a very human way, as well as a, a, a cosmic way, if you will. So they were deities that can, could touch our hearts, that can touch our spirits, that can, touch, that can share their message directly with us. And we would feel like they understood us. And that's not always the case with the religions that some of us were raised with. So, you know, uh, that content also, yes, as you pointed out, is very meaningful. That interplay, if you will, sometimes our heroes needed help from the gods, and they were right. there. Sometimes they need to be corrected by the gods, and once again, they were there. I just watched a film tonight, which I have never seen. It was the Venus or the New Venus, depending on what title you stumble upon. It goes by two titles. Uh, the New Venus meets the Son of Hercules. I've okay. never seen this one. I don't know if you have. 
Yeah. Uh, it was starred Roger Brown. Now, Roger Brown wasn't really a muscle guy, if you will. But this mm-hmm. was one of the most fascinating Sons of Hercules I've ever seen. It was very, very mystical. It was full of special effects. I would recommend this to anybody. It was fascinating. Uh, the son of Hercules was named Taminus. He was already a god, ironically, and he descends to Earth to defend the kingdom from foreign attackers. There's so many scenes in this in this film that are fanciful, to say the least. In one scene, a giant Hercules, his father, appears to him all old, and he's standing there in the temple, and he's throwing lightning bolts, and Taminus is catching them in his hands. As Hercules is giving him these magical lightning bolts to help him fight these evil doers, if you will, these conquerors. And it was absolutely fascinating. So if you've never seen it, I would recommend it. If you you can get it on YouTube, and I just saw this tonight, and I've never seen it before. It was very imaginative and fanciful, so I would recommend it. I have that on uh, DVD somewhere. Now I'll dig it out <laughs> after we uh, finish our broadcast and put it on. I still haven't worked out uh, yet for tonight, so I guess that will be my workout uh, video. Yes, it was some great. It was a great battle scene right in the beginning. Uh, I don't know about too much about Roger Brown, other than I know he was a, a U.S. Air Force pilot at one time, and he uh, went to Rome and made some film. Made a lot of films, mostly in the Euro spy genre, if you will. But so he wasn't really a muscle guy. He was pretty much suited up in Greek armor and what have you. But it was very fascinating. Very fascinating, and I would like to recommend it to the, our fellow Olympians tonight. If they get a chance, uh, please watch it. I think you'll enjoy it. Very imaginative. I think that uh, he was, uh, in some versions of the film, he was Mars or Ares. Um, the Romans had a much more positive uh, view of Mars or Ares than the, the Greeks, at least during Homeric times, uh, did. And I believe that mm-hmm. uh, that's film was uh, called i should uh, i should look it up it may have very well gone under that uh that title as well uh you know as we know that some of these films more than some have gone under several titles yeah. so sometimes it does get confusing but uh this was called uh, venus or the new venus meets the son of hercules and i <laughs> I found it absolutely fascinating. I mean, uh, the director and what have you, I, I, I didn't record his name. He obviously let his imagination run wild on this one because it's uh, quite interesting. I found it. A new Venus meets the son of Hercules. Uh, people can watch the whole thing on uh, YouTube. Um, and yes. uh, Venus meets the son of Hercules. And one of the other titles was Mars, God of War. Uh, so, All yeah, right, you're right. Very good. And titles and that was true in antiquity uh, also in antiquity there were different versions of the myths like for instance uh, I'm a Lemnian Greek and uh, mm-hmm. the Lemnians were related to the uh, Etruscans or the Etrurians uh, um, or Tuscany uh, in uh, Italy uh, and also mm-hmm. they were related to the Trojans and in their mythology uh, which I didn't find out till I was older, but it always felt uh, uh, right. And I would, uh, as a kid, I would say that I think it's this way. And then it turned out that my ancestors thought so too. Um, Hercules was married to Athena, and Ares or Mars was their son. 
Uh, How so, interesting. So in some parts of the, the Greek world, you know, the, the Greco-Italian world, or the Greco-Roman world, as it's called uh, sometimes, or the Mediterranean world, uh, the, the mm-hmm. gods had uh, different relationships with each other. Also in Greek mythology, um, Hera hates Hercules, and uh, she that yes, that, that that I that I was aware of. She was jealous of. It. Could, can you give me the uh, uh, give me the rundown on that? Sure. Uh, according to in Greek mythology. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Zeus was, uh, had many affairs with uh, right. not only goddesses, but with uh, mortal women and nymphs and uh, titanesses, you know, you name it. Uh, Zeus would have affairs <laughs> with them, and sometimes he would shapeshift. He would turn into, like, bulls or swans or golden rain or, you know, all sorts of different things. So um, Hercules' uh, mother... And uh, her husband were already descendants of Zeus. Uh, They were from the line of Perseus. And they also Mm -hmm. had other Zeus blood in them. But he became attracted to Alcmena, but she was very devoted to her husband. So he took the semblance of her husband and came uh, home from war. Like in the King Arthur legend, which I think was based on Mm -hmm. the incident. So he made the night uh, stretch into three uh, days worth of time. Uh, and he got her pregnant with uh, Hercules. And then uh, her, the husband came back uh, on a break. And, you know, according to some version of the story, she wanted to know, you know, uh, w- why he was back again. Uh, but anyway, mm-hmm. uh, her husband shed Iphicles. Hercules had a twin. So in the Greek version of the myth, uh, Hera, who was very jealous of her husband's offspring, uh, made his life a, a living hell. And, uh, for instance, she sent her snakes to kill him in the crib, and he uh, managed right. to kill him. Later on, she made him insane, and he thought that his wife and children were enemies, and he killed them. And then uh, he had to do penance by doing the labors. But that wasn't right. true in, throughout the entire Greek world. In uh, the Etruscan legends, for instance, um, Zeus and Hera were loving parents to him. He didn't have earthly parents. And uh, he was the son of, of, of a god, and he married a goddess. And they had uh, a godly child also. And Mars or Ares wasn't as uh, uh, brutal as he was in Greek mythology. So the stories mm-hmm. of the gods varied even then, and the relationship to each other varied uh, uh, even in antiquity. So um, I, I don't have a problem with these movies not agreeing with, with each other <laughs> or being called right. different. Like right. Hercules, and I know they can drift away quite a bit in terms of the actual myths, and uh, right. I, I understand that. And, yes, uh, these films, uh, it's, it's hard to follow them sometimes because of the, the change in title for whatever reason. Yes, and uh, even in antiquity, like uh, uh, I, by watching these films, I understood, uh, for instance, in antiquity, <coughs> uh, Hercules was called Hercules in one place, and uh, then there's all the variations of Hercules, like Echoli and Hercule and um, Ercoli mm-hmm. and uh, so on, uh, and Heraclitus, as he's called in Greek. But then uh, a lot of times it's very difficult to tell if depictions of Samson are Hercules. Um, and uh, he has ties to like the earliest versions of Thor or Donar up in uh, Germany. And uh, 
with uh, the Celts, uh, the Dagda and the Dagda son Agmius are like versions of Hercules. And uh, in uh, Phoenicia, he was Melkart, uh, the king of the city. So um, Herodotus wrote extensively about how different places had different names for the same uh, god or the same hero. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that, that held true in late antiquity when writers such as Nonus uh, listed all the different uh, versions of Hercules that were around at the time, and there were many of them. So in these peplum films, sometimes Hercules is Hercules, sometimes he's Samson, sometimes he's Ursus, uh, sometimes. <laughs> uh, so uh, I understood as a kid that helped me understand how that happened in antiquity as well. So uh, that that wasn't uh, a mystery as to how that could happen. Now, I did not know that, and I thank you for informing me of that. I would like your opinion in one area, and I, I've, I am not as well-versed uh, in, in the finer details of the Greek myths, obviously, as you are, though I do know the basic, I understand the basic, uh, the basic history of Hercules. I want your opinion, I would love to hear your opinion on, on the darker side of her, the history of Hercules, that being when he killed his wife, and his, his child, am I correct on that? His children, yes. It was his son. His children. And I, that always affected me. How did that affect you? How did that part of the myth affect you? Because I, I wish, when I first read the entire history of Hercules, and that was that was at least uh, that part of the history, uh, it, it affected me. I was kind of uh, surprised to come upon that. Have you ever thought about that or meditated on that part of oh, his oh. life? In the Greek uh, versions of the, the myth, he's visited by madness by uh, Hera. And someplace right. at the beginning of his career, someplace at the end of his career, um, mm. but uh, it ties into his uh, labors. And uh, Euripides, who wrote a play about it, it happens at the mm. tail end of his career. He's finished with his labors, he's going back home, uh, and he finds that a usurper has taken over. Um, his the town of Thebes. So uh, I see. So he he uh, is going to fight the usurper and topple him, and uh, Hera sends madness to seize his mind. So he thinks that his uh, wife and his children are the usurper and his uh, minions. Mm-hmm. So he winds up uh, killing them, and then madness is taken from him, and he sees what he's done. So he he becomes very uh, mm-hmm. guilty. Uh, to die and his father convinces him not to uh, kill himself and his friend Theseus who he rescued from the uh, underworld uh, you know comes uh, you know to him and also gives him reasons uh, to live um, in, in Greek mythology the heroes are not perfect uh, people so right. later on the saints who were, you know, like exemplars in terms of uh, uh, being virtuous uh, and so forth, the Greek heroes weren't necessarily virtuous. Like Odysseus's divine gift is his cunning. So mm-hmm. Odysseus lies and deceives, and that's part of his divine uh, gift. Uh, Theseus was uh, born a politician. So a lot of things uh, he does during the course of his adventures um, are not taking the needs of other people around him into account, but it's, it's basically how can he uh, get his way in a particular uh, situation. Uh, so Hercules, too. Hercules had a temper, 
And even right. if the madness caused the death of his wife and children, there were other incidents in Hercules' life where his hair trigger temper uh, caused the problems. So, but you um, know, that's one of the great gifts, I think, of the Greek myths. Again, that for all of their prowess and 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 their superhuman abilities, as far as our heroes are concerned, there was that fallibility, yeah. and I think. That's something we can relate to, in, right. a, in a in a in a more intimate way, you know, as opposed to the monotheistic deities that uh, we have some of us have grown up with, and I think you you cannot you cannot uh, even begin to uh, comprehend what that means to be that close to the gods, to be able to relate to the gods, and they're relay, relating to our. Uh, insecurities and imperfections, if you will, and that's what I found to find so fascinating uh, with these myths. So, and I uh, thank you for sharing some of that information with me. Yeah, it, it's the understanding that I got from uh, growing up with those uh, myths and uh, continuing to, to use them for my spiritual edification is that being human is hard. Yes. And yes. Uh, re- Regardless how uh, powerful you are, regardless of how smart you are, regardless of how um, cunning you are, um, you're going to err because you're human. That's and correct. you're going to make decisions that you regret. And some of the things you do are, are going to cause grief uh, to other uh, people um, around you. And to know that, to you know, um, w- one of the things I would tell people is that um, Hercules was the son of the most powerful god, and still he had a tough time uh, being human and making mistakes. And yet, even though he was human and he made lots of mistakes, it didn't prevent him from accomplishing great things. Um, in our culture, we seem to get have the impression that if you're not perfect, um, you shouldn't try to accomplish anything good. Mm-hmm. And I think I think well I think you know down deep I think and I think the Greek myths uh portray this so beautifully there's an anti-hero in all of us. Yeah. And what is the definition of an anti-hero? To me an anti-hero is someone that may not always fit the cultural description or the societal description of what we should be because none of us can rise to that level but nevertheless we accomplish great and 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 moral uh thing deeds and send a great and moral messages to the populace around us that's to me is what an anti-hero is and going on what you've just said i think hercules and some of and some of those great mythical heroes of those times well they were all really anti-heroes well why because in, we they didn't fit this perfect scenario, if you will, of what a hero should be, and again, or what a saint should be, if you will, because there's fallibilities in all, and, and there's fa- right. the human spirit is full of fallibilities. And uh, again, the Greek gods is related to this. They related to this, and they themselves would get angry and become jealous and what have you, all the, the full spectrum of human emotion. I don't know how you can even be, this is a great gift. The Greek myths have given us such a wonderful gift. The Peplum films have given us such a wonderful gift and are an amazing teaching tool 
if people were open up their channels and receive all of this all of this information and all of these wonderful messages that are contained within so i i, I understand what you're saying yeah it, it, i see it as a powerful uh, gift as well because uh uh, we are too focused on being uh, perfect. We are too focused on being uh, conformists, uh, and we're not. We're complex, multidimensional uh, beings, and uh, we're here without an instruction book that's, uh, uh, that's re- reliable. We don't know what the answers are, so we need to do the best that we can with uh, who we are. And uh, the Greek mm-hmm. myths tell us that regardless of who or how we are, we can be great. Um, if we focus on accomplishing great things that will be remembered, that will be of service to uh, everyone. So Hercules, despite the fact that he could be monstrous himself, cleared the world of the greatest uh, monsters that threatened uh, humanity. So he's remembered to this day. Mm -hmm. Because, Because within, nevertheless, was that certain essence of divinity, of divine good. So even though, again, with all of the fallibilities and insecurities and uh, uncertainties that they themselves, Hercules and the other god or the gods and goddesses dealt with, uh, there was that spirit of divine good. And we're predating, of course, we're predating uh, uh, the Christian uh, hierarchy and ex- uh, uh, metaphysical examples, if you will. We're predating those. Uh, because here, these divine myths, these divine messages, these div- divine myths, if you will, even even though these uh, examples of human imperfection were contained within, these led the way. These led the way in terms of what we should really be. What is what is our goal? What is our goal in terms of our human spirit? You know, uh, our divine spirit, if you will, because I believe the divine spirit is in all of us, regardless of what uh, uh, what beliefs we're, we're tied to. So, yeah, I think that's uh, that's an amazing point. And also the heroes went to the underworld um, in a lot of these uh, myths. And uh, in the like, for instance, when Hercules went to the uh, underworld, uh, he encountered Medusa. Uh, who was in the underworld, and part of him, even though he ascended to Olympus after his death, part of him, the shadowy part of him, remained as a, a shade in the uh, underworld and was encountered by uh, Odysseus many years uh, later. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, too, is is very profound, that uh, here you had somebody who had ascended to heaven, one of the few, and became a constellation um, which is how we get our concept of people being stars. You know, in antiquity, if you really made it, they put you up in the sky, in heaven. You know, so uh, you had no doubt that these heroes were in heaven because there they were, the constellations, and they could look down on you and uh, inspire you and give you uh, guidance. Um, but still, even while they're in heaven, some part of them that is shadowy remains in a place of shadows. And there's a there's a great comfort in all of that that somehow our imprint there's another message to all of us, and uh, we believe there's much more in terms of the uh, dimension we live in uh, as far as the invisible world is concerned. And there there you have the, our imprint in the star, so we uh, we don't die as far as our spiritual as far as our consciousness and our spiritual selves. We are indeed eternal. 
And I think that message also is contained within the Greek myths uh, and the, the story that you've just shared. In the Greek myths, you can go to a number of places uh, after this life, and you come back. A lot of people don't mm-hmm. know that uh, reincarnation is part of the, the Greek uh, philosophical and mythic schema, but uh, Plato himself uh, talks about uh, uh, reincarnation. And mm-hmm. um, we're working here on something called the Elysium Project. And Elysium is uh, the Greek word for heaven, or the best heaven that people can imagine, where they go after mm-hmm. uh, death. But there were different mm-hmm. types uh, Elysiums. There was one Elysium where good people went. So if you live three virtuous uh, lives uh, as a good person, uh, regardless of your level of attainment in, in society, uh, you went to Elysium you know, between your uh, earthy sojourns. Um, if you were mm-hmm. a mystic and you were studying the mysteries and uh, you were initiated and um, you know, freed from a lot of the um, veils that cover your eyes during human incarnation. Uh, you went to an Elysium mm-hmm. that was a mystical place, you know, a place for mystics, very similar to our beliefs about saints and the ascended uh, masters and, you know, other exalted beings like angels, you know, who, who work with humanity and help guide humanity. There was also a race of golden giants from the golden age uh, that were mm-hmm. there uh, working with them to, to guide people and, and so forth. And then there was an Elysium that was like the National Enquirer. <laughs> it was like a glam, <laughs> you know, and that's where it didn't matter if you were good or bad, but d- did you make an impact on the world? So for mm-hmm. people who were impactful, and we still celebrate these people and call them stars, you know, so that hasn't changed since antiquity, but, but there's a special heaven for people who, who have an impact on the world, uh, and it, it, their morality isn't what got them there. That's for one of the Elysiums, but not for this uh, uh, particular Elysium. This Elysium is mm-hmm. for those who entertain the gods sufficiently. Well, and, uh, you know, as, as I hear you describing these tales, I mean, there's, to me, there's a, obviously a direct correlation between the, these myths, these stories, and uh, the Judeo-Christian beliefs. Yeah. There's a direct correlation. There's obviously a parallel. The, you know, the, the underworld and the deities that uh, uh, direct our lives or attempt to direct our lives, the ideals that we're we're impressed to follow and uh, the difference is the difference is i think with the myths there's a, there's more of a human spirit connection if you will there's because we can relate more because we feel as though the gods can relate more and that's why i think and again i'm by no means am i am i uh, uh, uh judging uh you know uh, uh doctrinal religions but I think that there's a more, a more of a, 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 a compassion, if you will. There's more of a connection between man and the myths. And again, we don't know. I mean, we know that many doctrinal religions have borrowed from the myths. Uh, there can be no question about it. Uh, you mentioned, when I, as you were talking before about Theseus and Hercules, I was thinking of Hercules in the Haunted World, yeah. uh, which I'm sure you're, sure you're familiar with, with Reg Park. Mm-hmm. When they had to go to uh, the underworld to, I believe it was to, re- am I right on this, to retrieve the golden apple? Am I right? 
if uh, I remember, or to yes, find the golden apple. But but yes, uh, that was a, a very common theme, and Christopher Lee was in that movie, and uh, right. Um, very, very that that movie inspired uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, by the way, to pursue his particular destiny. Did it really? Yes. Well, I, uh, you can see the relationship there, and look, even in the Norse myths, I mean, we know that uh, Thor and Odin and and uh, uh, Asgard, if you will, there again, there's a similarity, and you mentioned before how there was some kind of connection between Hercules and Thor. I think you had mentioned that yeah. there was a connection there somehow. Yes, the the club of Hercules, uh, you can trace its evolution into the hammer of Thor as it makes its way north, and there are intermediate stages. Um, really? So that's just one of the uh, indications. Um, and uh, um, Thor, too, like Hercules, is, is the son of the king of the gods, and he's mm-hmm. uh, typified by his great strength and his uh, temper to match. Uh, and he, too, mm-hmm. has type uh, adventures. Um, and he's a defender of Asgard. This Hercules is the defender of uh, Olympus against giants and other things. Uh, Thor's mm-hmm. a, a giant fighter. Uh, and he spent a lot of time with giants. And similarly, in Greek mythology, Zeus gave birth to Hercules to help fight the giants. So there's a lot uh, between uh, Hercules and Thor. In Marvel mm-hmm. comics, they're kind of like frenemies. They're, they're friendly rivals, um, you know, with each other. Um, right. And, uh, again, the stories continue and they're told in multiple mediums. And uh, um, the, we recently had a conversation with uh, um, a gentleman who's into comic books, and he was talking about uh, – uh, the relation between Thor and Hercules in the Marvel comics. Well, uh, Marvel just opened up the doors for us. I mean, back in yeah. the early 60s, before we discovered Marvel, uh, my brother uh, and I, of course, we were all we had was uh, DC, basically, Detective Comics. And with, frankly, candidly, uh, so many times the titles and the, the themes in a lot of the you know, DC comic books were almost an insult to the intelligence. I must say, the, the writing and some of the—I mean, some of the stories were just so silly. And then one fateful day, we discovered Marvel. I forget what our first—I remember it was Ant Man. I remember it now. It was Ant Man and the Wasp. And then mm-hmm. Ant Man became Giant Man. And then there was Iron Man. And slow but sure, we discovered the titles grew and uh, uh, progressed. And became more and more interesting. And then, of course, we discovered Thor. And uh, Thor was just amazing with the hammer. And uh, I, I knew nothing about Norse myth. Back in 1962, I knew absolutely nothing. Marvel educated me as right. far as the, the, the Norse gods and all of the mythical uh, figures contained within, to contain within, the, and the Rainbow Bridge. And uh, it was just so very exciting when he when he hit that cane on the floor and he became Thor. I mean, that that was it, you know. So Marvel Comics educated me, certainly, uh, in those early years. And then when Hercules came on the scene, I was just as excited as I could be. I mean, here we are. We had Thor and Hercules in the same uh, vein, if you will. 
Yeah, they they did a really great uh, job with him, and uh, their Hercules was kind of like a parody of the the sword and sandal Hercules. You know, they they took that whole uh, um, dynamic uh, and they put right. it into the Marvel uh, Hercules, and he looked like uh, he belonged in a sword and sandal uh, movie. Uh, so uh, I, I love those two. I occasionally reread them. I have an omnibus now that uh, um, has like all the stories in black and white, and some of them uh, I find them in color. So uh, mm-hmm. right now I'm rereading the whole Hercules saga from the beginning. Uh, so uh, I'm in the, the the Thor, you know, when he first meets uh, um, Hercules, and. Uh, um, they make cartoons. Remember the Merry Marvel Marching Society? They had the cartoons. The Thor ones for a long time dealt with uh, this meeting with Hercules and the Hercules in the Underworld. So um, I have copies of those as well. So I'll be watching them uh, soon on DVD. That's exciting. I, I, I don't have those available, but uh, I intend also, I, I intend to go back and re-educate myself, if you will, to those early titles and strips because uh, that's what did it for us. I mean, that's what opened up all the doors in terms of uh, the gods and their activities and their adventures. I mean, it just opened up. And it, it then, of course, it inspired us to look further into some of these myths and stories and characters. The Marvel did a magnificent job. I miss the old Marvel. I'm completely out of touch with, frankly, what's happening today. I have the Marvel Universe. I'm completely out of touch. I, you know, I, I couldn't even begin to tell you what's happening these days. Um, some of it's overdone, I think, at this point. But I miss the Marvel of the 1960s. I miss the Marvel of the 1970s. Uh, as we as we entered into the 80s, I think I kind of let things go in terms of my interest in the comic genre in, in, in general. Uh, but uh, uh, from the 60s to the 7th, right through the 70s, of course, uh, I was completely enamored by what Marvel was doing. And yeah. they were, in in my spirit, they were number one. During the time when uh, Marvel uh, started coming out and becoming uh, popular, uh, their philosophy was different from DC's. DC was writing primarily for children. And Marvel started writing for uh, teenagers, you know, and uh, uh, the the Marvel ones uh, were a little bit more mature. They dealt with teenage angst and uh, family uh, problems and, you know, all the, all the different types of things that a slightly older readership, um, including adults, uh, could identify with. Um, and uh, that uh, won them a bigger audience and helped them build their uh, brand. Now both uh, companies go back and forth <laughs> with uh, who their audience uh, seems to be. And sometimes I follow DC, sometimes I'll follow uh, Marvel. Um, I try mm-hmm. to keep up with certain characters. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'm happy with what they're doing and sometimes I'm not. Uh, but I'll keep track of like what Hercules is doing in both Marvel and DC and in, in, in the independence. I'll keep track of what Conan uh, is doing as he travels around from company to, to company. I used to follow uh, Thor as well, uh, not only the Marvel Thor, but the Independence uh, and so forth. But um, there, there's there's only so much you can keep track of. Uh, so now right. I'm 
is really happening uh, that I'd like to read, I, I don't really follow Thor anymore. And the Eternals is something I followed for years and years and years. And uh, I'm looking forward to the movie next year and the new comic book series. Uh, last time in Marvel that they were there and I bought the, the comics that they were in, they killed them all off. Uh, so oh. Now they're bringing me Well, back. I'm sure you can educate me in, in terms of the, the, the evolution of Marvel and DC and just where we are now, because it, it, candidly, I have completely lost touch. But you you mentioned something very interesting, and this is what drew me to Marvel as well. The the, the fallibilities of the characters. Daredevil was yeah. blind. Spider-Man was not a very popular. Peter Parker was a shy uh, nerd, if you will. Uh, 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 Iron Man had a heart condition. I am, which is one of the reasons why he built this uh, elaborate armor. Uh, so they all had these very human faults or sicknesses, if you will, in one way or another. And I remember very well back in the middle 60s when they, Marvel used to boast that they were the most popular comic book on campuses, that college yeah. students were reading them because they, could, the college, they were enamored by, again, by, hey, these, I can relate to these guys. They're, they're superheroes, but I can relate to some of the personal challenges that they're dealing with. And I, I, find it, I found it fascinating that you would bring that up because that's what drew us. You know, they all have these certain, uh, you know, uh, shortcomings, if you will, in terms of uh, their personal, personal personality traits. So, that, yeah, that was a big thing with Marvel. That's what made Marvel so uh, interesting. And DC seemed uh, infantile in comparison and i just couldn't relate to, with all due respect i just couldn't i just couldn't relate to dc anymore there was a time again dc's all we had but once marvel marvel was much more elaborate in terms of uh, dealing with the, the human condition and uh, that's what drew us so it's interesting that you should bring that up because i think that was a big selling point for marvel back in the middle and late 60s yes uh it was, and uh, it was something uh, different. It, it changed what, what comic books were all about, and uh, uh, the collaboration between Stan Lee and uh, Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and you know, all the people that were oh around my God. back then. Well, they, I have to tell you, you, I don't think any artist had a more unusual style than Steve Ditko. Yes. Steve Ditko, when he, even when he drew somebody's hands, the hands were in these peculiar positions. And his Doctor Strange, uh, the the dimensions that he, I mean, you didn't have to be on LSD to enjoy the, the Doctor Strange strip. I mean, it, Ditko had a way with drawing these other dimensions that was just simply incredible. And I remember me and my brother used to laugh because my brother was a big Ditko fan. And Kirby, of course, was great, too, in his own way. I liked Steve, even Steve Ditko's version of the Hulk. And I was looking for strength heroes at the time. The Hulk drew me. I loved Ditko's version of the Hulk better than than Kirby's. Kirby's, uh, his head was too square, and sometimes his hands were too square. Uh, I just liked the persona that Ditko brought out in the Hulk. I, Ditko was an amazing uh, uh, man in his own right, a very interesting man. But I thought his art style was so fascinating. And when you got to Doctor Strange, forget it. I mean, it, it was just, it was another world. It was definitely another world. 
Yeah, yes, it definitely is. I don't know as much about Steve Ditko as I know about uh, Stan Lee or uh, Jack Kirby, uh, but mm-hmm. I intend on uh, I intend on remedying that. I have uh, um, a few books on uh, um, Jack the King Kirby, and I have a few uh, DVDs about Stan Lee. Uh, but mm-hmm. next on my list uh, to learn about because they're the myth makers of today. They're the Homers and the Hesiods and the uh, um, yeah, they're they're the the Apollonius of Rhodes of yesteryear, uh, and especially with uh, um, Ditko and his mysticism and uh, Kirby and the pantheons that he gave birth to. He gave shape to the Norse pantheon, to the Greek pantheon. He invented mm-hmm. pantheons of his own, so uh, he was uh, actively engaged in the process of uh, giving birth to gods. You know, and that's mythic in and of itself. So. Uh, these are the tale tellers uh, of today, and um, there's a book called "Our Gods Wear Spandex," which uh, <laughs> really does a great job in, in showing the uh, the correspondence between the ancient uh, gods uh, of mythology and the comic book heroes of today. And DC occasionally publishes uh, every few years; they'll publish something that says essentially the same uh, thing. Uh, but, but geared towards uh, kids and uh, in reading and education. Uh, but that, that unfortunately, we'll have to wait for another episode because we're down to the last uh, five minutes or so uh, of today's uh, conversation. So this is definitely a to-be-continued. Um, if you love uh, the comic books uh, um, as well, you're invited to participate in those conversations too. We're having them once a month now. I would love to. I would love to. Thank you for mentioning that. Okay, awesome. And uh, thank you also for helping me bridge uh, the sword and sandal with our exercise uh, um, uh, activities. Um, Basically, you know, I've been building something for a while, and now it's uh, coming together. And you've been a very important part of uh, building that. And you've been very Mm -hmm. generous sharing uh, your experiences and your findings and your suggestions and uh, uh, your insights. So thank you very much for all of that, Michael. Well, I I have a lot more that I would love to share with you and perhaps another program we'd be able to do that. And I feel honored uh, to have that opportunity. Well, we're together again, I think, next week uh, um, on your regular show. Yes. To be continued. I would love to. This this has been exciting. This has been exciting, and I'm so happy I've been able to share with you and our fellow Olympians uh, on uh, the genre, and uh, because it's just been an amazing experience. And I thank you for that. You're very welcome, and I thank you as well. And how can people get in contact with you? And um, you've uh, published uh, several awesome resources. How can they uh, uh, order those? And uh, then if you have any last thoughts for people, they're very welcome. Yes, well, my wellness program is available from uh, for three to a donation of $3 a copy. My creative wellness manual, and they can order it at uh, – Michael Del Rossi, Post Office Box 129, Caldwell, New Jersey, 07006. My Wisdom of the Hemispheres bicameral chart comes along with that laminated chart. That's absolutely free. And I'm available for holistic counseling on any number of health issues. And if that's, of course, is free of charge. And at the time they write me, I will provide a phone number and we can connect. 
So uh, anytime, any place, anywhere, I would make myself available. Thank you so very much. And uh, any uh, last words you'd like people uh, to consider about uh, uh, the meaning of stories in their life? Yes, I hope that's what I re- what I shared this evening in terms of my own challenges and the influence that the Peplum films had on me. I hope they would take that to heart in, in dealing with their own challenges, whether they be uh, in the physical or spiritual, and uh, come to understand that there's a definite, definite support in these films and in the myths, and by all means, look into them. Thank you very much, and I'd like to add uh, that for people who are uh, monotheistic and into the Abrahamic uh, religions, the Book of Judges comes closest uh, to embracing uh, what uh, Greek mythology uh, gives you. The judges uh, all had important roles to play in the development of their people and uh, their nation, and yet they were very fallible human beings. And Samson, uh, who, uh, again, many scholars have a tough time determining which of the lion wrestlers are Hercules and which are Samson or who came first, uh, those uh, parallels are there. Uh, and Samson, for all his might, uh, certainly was very human. He loved the ladies, and uh, he was and in his servitude as he was blinded, uh, and his hair grew back that he gained his uh, greatest uh, glory uh, and uh, uh, became reconciled with his God. So uh, the book of Hebrews is a great place to get that from the Bible uh, if you're so inclined. That's that's very valuable information for all of us seekers, and I certainly appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, there's also like Deborah, who she and Barack were very musical <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and went off into song during their uh, adventures. You had Shamgar, uh, who's a lesser known uh, Samson. Uh, yeah, very, very interesting book. Uh, again, you're, what you've just shared uh, is an example of the parallel between all beliefs and, and myths as in general. There's definitely a connector there. Uh, with all of those, uh, all of those beliefs, there's a there's a, a rainbow bridge, if you will. Uh, yeah. So I I certainly appreciate you sharing that information. And I'm looking forward to our next conversation, Michael. You're awesome, and I'm very honored and privileged uh, to call you friends. I as well, and thank you. It's been exciting and lots of fun. Uh, the same here. And thanks to everybody who's joined us from home, whether you're listening live or later on on demand. Um, I wish you well. And uh, from all of us, all of you, joyous journeys and amazing uh, adventures. And I keep forgetting we're not on mental. So I have a wider choice of music uh, to close by. Let's see if I can get something really quickly. Here we go. Here we go. Hecate, a Greek myth. Thanks again, Michael. Good night. Good night, everyone. Good night.